Welcome to the 60th episode of the Turf Talk Young Turps podcast. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And I will start off today by apologizing for picking Maryland. Obviously, I jinxed it. Did you jinx it, or was it just a bad game? That's what we'll get into on this episode, along with the non-rev report. But before we talk about that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. They're your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. They have the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. They're, of course, located in Beltsville, Maryland, right next to College Park, and serving D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Contact Allied today for free. No obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start off with, men's soccer got blanked by number 13 Michigan State at home 2 to nothing, And they will travel to D.C. to face Georgetown on Monday. I'm hoping we'll get a pretty good Terrapin representation down in D.C. Well, you're always going to get one from the crew, of course. I was talking with Bruce about that game on Friday that was seen on BTN by many Terp fans. And for once, Maryland just looks like they're not the better team on the field. They've had games where they lose, but they're the better team. But now it's just starting to look like they're just not the better team anymore. They ended last year by not scoring in six straight games. It's just the struggles continue with this team offensively. Yeah, they're not. They just aren't the team that we've seen in the past from Sasho. But I'm sure we'll get back to it maybe next year. Well, on to field hockey. Field hockey was 13-0 after they beat Rutgers, number 15 Rutgers at home 3-1. to But, well, it's not over over yet. But they're currently down 3 nothing in Happy Valley to number 7 Penn State. So, 13-1 ain't bad, Mason. No, not at all. This is probably the best team at College Park currently. They play top 15 team after top 15 team eventually they were going to lose better now than in the tournament women's soccer loses again they fell to illinois in college park one to nil now they've lost four of five games they're at three seven and four on the season and they'll play northwestern at home today with pups on the pitch at college park yep uh they looked like they were better than teams past, but it doesn't really look like that's the case anymore. But this is still progress, I think. I'm not sure anymore. Isn't it kind of an odd promotion to have dogs come out to the game? Hey, I'd go, I'd go see that. If I was in the area, that'd be a pretty good one for me if it wasn't during you know, football. So, I'd take it. On to volleyball. The 12-6 and volleyball team won a straight set against Rutgers yesterday. And they will play Michigan State on Friday in College Park. That will air on BTN for everybody who wants to watch 7, p- 7 p.m. on Friday. Volleyball has kept up despite losing head co- their head coach. So, you know what? I'll give the team a lot of props. Well, they were able to bring in the assistant coach and kind of continue recruiting well and continue their progress to that Big Ten level. Now I'm starting to think that they're there, that they can play with some of these Big Ten teams and compete, but they're not at the top tier yet, but it seems like they're building, and the game on Friday should be a good one, and it's always good to be able to watch your teams on BTN. I mean, BTN is just 
the way they're able to air the non-rev games just it gives you so many more opportunities to see games that you just wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yep, it is a mile to follow as other conferences have. So I guess let's get back into the muck of the whole football situation. So Maryland released a statement to the Washington Post through a spokesman claiming office policy is to not respond to anonymous emails. The anonymous email from the Post report has been forwarded to the commission. Uh, yes, that's good. I don't know anymore. Well, anonymous means anonymous. I mean, would you consider... I I mean, okay, I said this in our last show and or the show that we talked about, the Washington Post report, and I'll say it again. If there is no contact information on this, and I just received this email, it's an email, right? It's not a letter. Yeah. I would not do anything. Just an anonymous letter. I'm sure every program gets these kinds of things. It's just, if you didn't leave any contact information on this, then I would not respond either. No, I probably wouldn't, but... Moving on, though, Wallace Lowe said that he instructed a member of his staff to forward the email to Kevin Anderson back when he was the AD. Um, There's a lot of ifs and theirs in that statement, though. He instructed a member of his staff, meaning he he didn't follow through, likely because Kevin Anderson doesn't seem like he ever got it, or if he didn't, he didn't act on it. I don't know which one's worse in that case. So that, that gives you a lot of breathing room if you're Wallace Lowe. Well, I mean, if he did it, he did it, and if they didn't do it, then, you know, he just expected that someone was going to do it, I guess. I, I don't yeah, really know. that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it, it, the way that's worded gives you a lot of breathing room, and I guess that's good on the university as a whole part. I don't know. This is a very strange little wrinkle that's been thrown in here. Trey Watson put out a statement on Twitter yesterday following his targeting foul that people, quote, call him dirty, do whatever you want, that's cool because I know what kind of player I am, and I know I braced myself for the last second hit on a guy that could have had me on SC Top 10 for getting laid out. The disrespectful tone from the people is outright ridiculous. So, um, I don't know, that, that call is a bit iffy, though by rule, if you look at the rules, it was accurate to what targeting is supposed to be. Doesn't mean I necessarily agree with the call, but it does follow the rule. It's kind of the same thing with the roughing the passer in the NFL. Like it does follow the rule. I just don't like the rule. That's not what he's responding to, though. He's responding to the fact that Michigan fans took to Twitter and, you know, threaten him and call him bad names and, you know, people are vicious. People attack people on social media all the time, and he gets a targeting call and then suddenly, you know, Every Michigan fan that's a little bit non-conscious of what they say online is going after Trey Watson. That's kind of what this has been in response to. Yeah, that does seem to be the case these days. And I don't know. I guess it's just kind of how it is. And I guess this is a good segue ever to talk about the um, – what I'm not going to call it blowouts, but the unfortunate game for Tepin fans. Well, it started off well. It started off well. We had our chances to, you know, get in the game, really get, dig our teeth in, but we didn't, and now we're looking at another stat sheet blowout. 
Yeah, that's my biggest problem. Uh, on our last podcast with Dave LaMonaco, all three of us said we have to see improvement. Well, this game was winnable in my book. Winnable is a bit of a stretch. I will say it. we have <clears throat> excuse me. We had our opportunities to get in the game and really plant our foot in it. They Even had the opportunity to go up 14-3 to against a team that's offense was pretty stagnant at the moment. I, I'm aware. That's what I was going to get to. We had our chances to really dig our teeth into the game, and I'm not saying we would have won the game, okay? That's a long shot considering how our offense was playing, but we definitely could have been really in the game and forced Michigan to really go in the offensive, and we didn't because our offense was, again, stagnant. Karan Higdon's not running the ball 25 times if Maryland goes up 14-3. to I know that, and the flip side of that is we probably would be able to run the ball more if we weren't down whatever we were down by halftime, but at 17 to 17 to 7. But we also came out of the gate after halftime only down by 10, and we had no offense. So it was a winnable game. I mean, I'm not going to say by the end— well, Winnable makes it sound like we were like really close to winning the game, but we don't know that's true, but we definitely had a chance to be in the game. Okay, I'll give you that. There was a realistic chance that we could be in the game. Moving on here, let's do this position by position and start from the quarterback. Kasim Hill, not a good game. 5 for 10, 62 yards, and a pick. Kasim Hill was unplayable in this game. He had... He had nothing to really offer the offense besides taking the snaps. And that sounds cruel, but that's really what I think about today, or yesterday's game. Yeah, since he only threw the ball ten times, I'll go for more of the example theory. The pass to Daryl Jones, the middle screen. Third, a second down situation, second down and ten, throws the ball behind a player and gets you into third and long. Well, regardless of the fact that, that ball was tipped and almost intercepted, you just you can't have those against Michigan. You get out, you want to get momentum, and those simple passes are almost the key to the game. You have to complete that. You've got to get something in the pass game. Throwing the ball behind players and overthrowing them is the problem for Kasim Hill. Example, Tavon Jacobs' deep ball. That's a pass that should be completed. That's a pass that we need to complete to compete and to have our chance to win this football game. And we're just not getting that from either of our quarterbacks. And for the people out there who say Pig hasn't gotten his chance, he had the plays against Bowling Green, the drives against Temple, and drives in this game when the game was still a game. So Piggy's gotten his chance. I don't agree with that actually at all. I think they put him into very specific things. They use him as like the Ravens use Lamar Jackson. He's in there to change of pace. He's not in there to play the game. I I disagree. I think against Bowling Green, he had a chance to become the starter, and they fumbled the ball. Against Temple, if he brought them back, which they gave him multiple drives to do so, he would have become the starter. And against Michigan, if he picked it up, they would have left him in there for the whole game. He got a 42-yard run. In garbage time. Yeah, they put him in one other play in the rest of the game. They gave him. They're giving, a, him a, they're giving him an on paper chance, but they're not giving him real chances, I don't think. He's in there to run quarterback options or dunk the ball for a screen. There has to be a reason why they're not running a full set with Piggy. Because I don't think that can't with the quarterback controversy. For real. 
let's move on to the running game, which other than Pig's 42-yard carry wasn't as good as we've seen this year. It might have been the worst game we've seen from the running attack this year. Both of our, in quotations, starting running backs, Anthony McFarland and Ty Johnson, had fairly dud games. Um, Fleet Davis was actually played pretty okay, but the whole the rushing attack kind of didn't exist in this one. No, not much from our running game. Fleet Davis and Piggy both had garbage time games, and other than that, I mean, five carries for three yards from Ty Johnson and nine for 34 from Anthony McFarland. Just not going to get it done. I mean, McFarland, nine carries, 34 yards, along of 15. What does that leave him at? Eight carries for, what, 17, 18 yards? Eight carries for 19 yards, which is less than a yard per carry. I mean, less than two yards per carry, excuse me. It was a bad, for a team that's predicated to be able to run the ball, which is kind of the whole offense, which is another problem in itself, but we'll get to that. It's just, it wasn't acceptable, considering that's our whole system is running the ball and hoping the pass game opens up. Yeah, and from our wide receiver, seven catches, 73 yards. DJ Turner, two catches for 30 yards. Tavon Jacobs extends that streak with the catch for five yards of consecutive games where he had a reception. I mean, really nothing to talk about here. So let's flip well, sides. Well, the offensive lines were talking about this game. All right. Yeah, they, they did not play well. They're getting pushed back into the quarterback. This is supposed to be a good offensive line. The starters were out there. No more injuries, none none of that. We're here again. Same place that we were last year where this line just took a dump. And what yeah, happens this year? The same thing. I, I'm running out of excuses for the offensive line. We are, you're right, we're getting pushed back. We can't run the ball against elite opponents. Which, I mean, there's a reason they're elite, and this defensive line might be the best in the country. I'll concede both those points. Without their best player, or without their second best player, depending on what day it is. Yeah. So, even so, they're still really good. So, I'm not going to say that we we don't have an excuse. We were playing against a really good team, but I wish they could just hold up in some of these games. But they can't. No, seemingly, they can't. Ohio State, Michigan, those are the two teams. Let's – Boston College game, the bowl game, the quick lane bowl, is the prime example of this this offensive line almost during the Durkin era. Harold Landry comes out against Maryland, plays absolutely balls out. It just seems like every team that has a focus point defensive lineman can get pass rush against Maryland. It may be the case. Uh, I don't know what to say that anymore. I just wish it wasn't the case. I wish we could have... I mean, there's a lot of things I wish for this team. I wish we'd had a real quarterback that could throw the ball down the field we haven't had in almost a decade now. And I wish our offensive line could compete against powerhouse teams. When they're supposed to be able to. That's the key point. When they're supposed to be able to. It's supposed to be a strength. I wish it wasn't a weakness. And I think that kind of wraps up the offense as a whole. So, on to the defense. Trey Watson led the team in tackles with 10. Um, other than the targeting penalty, Trey Watson was actually really good in this football game. 
Well, is Trey Watson Trey Watson's gonna be out for the first half of against Rutgers now, right? I believe is it is the entire game now. Really? Yeah, second half targeting. That's the entire game. Him and Marcus Lewis will both be out due to targeting. Oh, Rayshad Lewis. Rayshad Lewis. Yeah, I was going to correct you on that, yeah. So that sucks. There's no other way to say it on that one. Um, I guess we'll address that more on Wednesday. Isaiah Davis played a pretty good game, too. He was actually spying on Shea Patterson most of the game, which I thought was an interesting choice. Well, Shea Patterson's really athletic player. Shea Patterson's actually looked really good in this game. Now, this defense could really compete in this football game, but, you know, with the lack of time of possession, the failure of our offense to commit or to advance the turnover balls, it was really a struggle because of how long they were out there and just the way Michigan plays to wear a team like Maryland down. Oh, real quick, a live news update here. The new AP poll is out, and Michigan is advanced number 12, and Texas is number 9, so... Take what you will from those. Yeah, the defense could have hung in this game, but they were just exposed by the offense. I don't know what else to say. I, I feel like I feel wrong for criticizing the defense from this game because they were just hung out too dry the entire time. Yeah, I would agree, but my one thing with the defense is there was just the deep balls that Tino Ellis gives up. I mean, for for a lot of this game, it looked like we were improved. It was not the Maryland team that lost 59-3 to two years ago in the big house. It was better than that. Yeah, it was. The, mostly due to the defense. Yeah, it was. And I'm proud of the way they went out and played. That's kind of all I got. They played hard. They played as well as they could have, given the circumstances they were given. And that's kind of it for the defense. Yeah, one thing that I want to say about this defense is, this is my brightest point of this game. Third and three on the first drive of the game. Maryland gets a stop against the Michigan run. Fourth and one, two or three drives into the game. Maryland stops Michigan deep in their own territory. Maryland forces field goals. I like that. That is my biggest positive of this game. Because the Maryland of the past never stopped Michigan on third and three. Never stopped Michigan on fourth and one. Yeah, I agree with that. They played as the defensive line, especially played as well as they could have. And they just got worn down, and that's probably a circumstance. Maybe there's a talent gap still. I mean, we know there's a talent gap still, and that kind of helped wear them down. Uh, special teams-wise, kind of a mixed bag. Ty Johnson, of course, gave us the big touchdown return, but he also gave us a fumble at the one. Wade Lee's punted well most of the time, but he also gave up a punt when we got, got to, like, the 42. I guess it was okay. That's kind of all I can say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That does it for our position by position here. Um, well, moving forward, there's definitely a lot to work on, but there were positive takeaways. I'm not going to say this game was a completely negative wipeout because 15 minutes into the game, it looked like there was a good chance that Maryland could actually compete and end up winning because they were up. But the plays just didn't come from the offense, and that's their bottom line right there. It just it didn't come from the offense. So... I guess our final point before we wrap this up is can the offense fix itself? Is there anything that they can do to improve it with relatively little time left in the season? I'm going to say yes. I still think Kasim Hill has the ability to be a good quarterback, even though he hasn't shown it this season. 
They just they got to get the ball to number six and number one and number 12. You also need to target the middle of the field with the tight end. We've tried that before the season. Just look at the way the Texas game was called by Matt Canada and look at the way they call the game now. Against Texas, Maryland threw the ball deep to Jayshon Jones. They targeted the tight end and almost scored a touchdown. The middle of the field has left this team. Now, we need to find a way to get that back with Kasim because he can throw the ball. He He showed us that he could throw the football against Texas. Now, they might have not been the prettiest balls and guys might have been wide open. But just where where is that team gone? Where is that passing game gone? Because he threw the ball for 250 yards in that game, didn't he? Something like that. I think that, uh, as you love putting out, the Big, Big 12 doesn't have a huge defensive standard. But they are... Texas is apparently still a good team. So, I don't know what happened from there, here to now. It seems like a team that's confidence has gone... has disappeared. And so is Matt Canada's confidence in calling the games. And if we want to, you know, be bowl eligible at this point, we don't have a ton of we don't have, we have one cupcake you could call it cupcake game left against Rutgers. Even then, I hesitate because there still are. No, I really don't hesitate. They lost to Kansas by twenty points. They lost we to have Buffalo one, by like thirty. Okay, yeah, we have one cupcake game left, and then after that, you gotta have to fight for every win. And if we want to win and get bowl eligible, get the six wins. We need to rediscover the offense. And if we still can, maybe a bit of a debate for another time. But Kasim needs to show up again. It's just that simple. I would agree with that. The other thing that I want to say before we go here, and we can talk about this more on Wednesday, is when they go up, if they do 20 to nothing by running the ball against Rutgers, I know that this is kind of like, when you go up by that much, you kind of want to get out of the game. I would throw the ball like 15 times in a row. You have to put, get something going. I would put Piggy in. Sorry, I'd put Piggy in too. I would just try stuff. Try to open up the playbook. See if you can get some spark going because, geez, do we need it at this point. So that's going to do it. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about the Rutgers game. Before we go on this podcast, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Viner Forgates and Rockville. They built TerpTalk.com. They can build a website just like that for your company. E-commerce or just a normal website, they have all you need when it comes to web development. And Allied Party Rentals, they have the tents, chairs, linens for all of your events. From five people to over to thousands, they have it all. And of course, as Allied Party Rentals. You can visit them on the web at www.alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, anything else to say about the Maryland-Michigan game? Uh, good thing we play next week. That's all I'm going to say by that one. Hey, there were some positives. I would still like to say that. It wasn't all negative. No, but given how we could have, you know, given how we could have competed and made this a game, it feels like a real last cause. Yeah, I would agree with that. Don't get too down. We still lost to a team that's ranked in the top 15. And we'll be back here on Wednesday to discuss the fierce Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Who got blown out by Illinois this past week. That's going to do it. And as always, thanks for listening.